Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. This is a podcast where we start with a random article, explore it, then follow the links and see where it takes us. And, uh, John, I have some unfortunate news. Oh, no. Have we been had? Have we been found out? I think we flew a little too close to the sun with leather. (laughs) (laughs) I... Okay. All right. All right. uh, What's what's the prognosis? I hopped on to Wikipedia uh, when I was editing last week's podcast. Yeah, and uh, I got a, I saw a little notification up at the top, <laughs> and I saw Lou P had been changed, and they removed my uh, tag. What? So I was like, Uh-oh. out of all of them, that one gets <laughs> what? <laughs> so uh, I yeah. went ahead and checked the other ones, and uh, lo and behold, the other ones that <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> Uh, I have an update then after uh, I get... Uh, but yeah, I checked Benu State. Or I think it was Benu State. Right. And uh, Leather, the ones mm-hmm. that I had edited. And the same person saw my Loop P thing. He must what? have gone to my thing and saw my previous edits and was like, ah, he's doing a thing and erased all yep. my edits. Yeah. Your edit is still there. It um, is. Let's see, what was that? I think yours was Action Group. Yep, yep. Should have been Action Group. Action Group Nigeria. Let's just double check and make sure that one's still. Well, that's there. because you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you have a username, right? Yes, I do. So that. So if I <laughs> you put log your neck out, out <laughs> yeah. If you log out, yeah, yours is still there. Yep. So Action Group Nigeria still has Wu Tang Clan. All right. In so it. that's we we so have learned. We, we have, have adapted. That. Right. So now, if I want to edit something, I just have to log out. But. <laughs> Uh, hopping on to Wikipedia just now, I see that I have a new uh, message or <laughs> notification. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, this please, is, stop. This please stop using Wu-Tang. <laughs> <laughs> no, this, this is a good one. Okay, uh, all right. DJ Kane, thanked you for your edit on leather. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What? <laughs> DJ Kane thanked you? Somebody thanked me for my edit on leather. Was it the person who went through and then corrected you? No, no, this is somebody else. So, somebody saw my edit. This has to be after the fact because this is a notification or a message after all that stuff happened. So he must have gone back in, looked at the edits, and was like, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. See, now that gives incentive to stay logged in whenever we... <laughs> but, that I is, mean... That is nice. But, that's, uh, uh, <laughs> that's that's interesting. I'm, I'm wondering... <laughs> I, I really... That's... Uh, I didn't know that was an action you could do, but that's that's good. That's... Uh, yeah. Speaking to, a, speaking to a fan base. He thanked you for your edit. Yep. Thank you for inappropriately dropping links to the Wu-Tang <laughs> Clan into... <laughs> I didn't know you could thank people, but uh, I guess you can. So... I didn't know you could thank them for <laughs> deliberately being wrong. Like, like that's, uh, that's interesting. So that's the updates on that. But uh, as for today, what do you have for your random article? Well, uh... It's going to lead us to another bad place, unfortunately, if we are not very careful. I have Lewis Merck, who was the CEO of Merck, because what else would he be the CEO of? Um, German chemist and business executive, and uh, the company held a virtual monopoly on uh, Santonin, and 
also cocaine. Ah. Yeah. That's the uh, Merck Company. Merck Company are the cocaine ones. Interesting. Yep. Uh, he was in, in 1905, he was appointed by Ernest Louis Grand Duke of Hesse as a member for life of the Upper House of Parliament of the Grand Duchy of Hesse. Hmm. He was also conferred an honorary doctorate at the University of Gießen in 1907. So, the odd thing is, is for being um, a member of the Merck family and a CEO of Merck, I guess he's not the Merck that started Merck, because the article on him is just, like, really, really short. short. Hmm. Um, though, it is also notable that the people that he was preceded and succeeded by both uh, don't have articles. So, yeah. Yeah, so I have a guy who can take us to chemistry, Germany, or cocaine. Hmm. So that's a that's a not uh nope. Don't <laughs> don't really don't really like this one. Hoping yours is better. Eric, what have you got? I have Sag King First Nation. Okay, is that like a Canadian thing? Or... It is. Okay, alright. Um, the Sag King First Nation is an Anishinaabe First Nation, which holds territory east of Lake Winnipeg in Manitoba, Canada. Hmm, okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm assuming this is part of, like, Native, Native. North American, you know... Cool, alright. ...stuff. Uh, so... Sag King First Nation is an Anishinaabe First Nation. So I feel like wouldn't that make it a second nation? They're missing the word tribe in there or something. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be like a, or maybe like they are people. They're a people group Mm. of the Anishinaabe First Nation. Yeah, not really sure, but uh, I, 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 I mean, I really don't get, I think, the First Nations sort of label? First Nation relative to... to I guess maybe that means that just means, like, that's their way of saying they're Native, Native American. Okay. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the First Nation that was existing there. And then there's just kind of a European colony that overlaid it yep. at one point. <laughs> Without it ever really being actually taken over, except it also was, but it wasn't. Because there wasn't a war, just lots of bad. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, I can see it. I got it. I got it. Well, you know what? We're going to go... I'm going to go for this one, personally, because it's more interesting and it does not lead to cocaine, although it does lead to still potentially devastating and depressing topics. There are avenues that could be, uh, you know, treacherous, but... Honestly, though, I already see a couple of ways out, (laughs) just scanning the article really, really briefly. Uh, But but I feel like a Canadian uh, native... Americans specifically is probably going to be a lot better than uh, United States Native Americans. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like they were probably treated a little better. At, and at I feel like there's got to be bit. more of them solely because there's so much more land. Up. There's so much more Canada and yeah. so much less Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> like and that, that had to have yeah. helped things somewhat, right? I mean, I know there was still there's still a good deal of mm-hmm. bad blood between European descended Canadians yeah. and and Native American Canadians, but um, I I don't admittedly know too much about it though, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe they did worse. Could be. I don't know. I I mean, yeah, I have nothing to base that on, other than the fact that American like United States Americans are. Uh, America's America and Canada is allegedly nicer, right? Yeah. Yeah, we can be jerks even at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. Especially though. But, yeah. Like we had to start somewhere and we yeah. started strong. <laughs> yeah. So, uh there's actually a dance group from this tribe called Sag King's Finest and uh we got 
Vincent Olaney, 17-year-old, and uh, his brothers Dallas, or no, brothers Dallas Korshen, Korshen, who's 16 years old, and Brandon Korshen, 18 years old. And they bought, they beat out uh, 244 other acts and won the 2012 first and only season of Canada's Got Talent. <laughs> wow! So that was they they won the only season of a show. Yeah. Hey, perfect track record. They they so are the we, only talent Canada has. <laughs> they are the America's talent got of one Canada. talent. Yeah, yeah. Canada's got a talent. A talent. A one. talent. The trio started with traditional jigging. Okay. I've never heard used that way. Uh, a First Nations tradition. Oh, maybe that's why. And then fused more modern dance styles, like tap dancing, into their act. And because of this new style of dancing, the PPL of Canada took to their phones and voted three members of Sag King's First Nation winners of the $100,000 first prize and they also got a $105,000 Nissan GTR sports car and an opportunity to perform during City TV's New Year's Eve special and the possibility of performing at a venue in Las Vegas Rogers Media's Scott Moore said the win for Sag King's Finest underlined the generosity of Canadians for an underdog that's not supposed to come out on top shows the diversity and the acceptance of Canada he insisted. <laughs> Citations provided. Yes, several. The man insisted it. <laughs> it is known. So, that's a, like, not the coolest prize in the world, but I mean, when you're, you know, 17 years old, getting your hands on a sweet $100,000 sports car, that's mm. that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, getting all those chances, like, a venue in Las Vegas to perform at? All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anybody in Vegas n- will know who you are because Vegas is not inherently in Canada, <laughs> but that's, you know, it's still a pretty good prize. There's some opportunities there. I mean, Justin Guarini didn't get the ability to go to Vegas and be a performer. No, he did not. Nor did Kelly Clarkson, who is, is she even still doing... Music. I feel like she came out with some kind of single recent, like in the past year or two. Right, but she's also season one. She's not like right. anybody out after that. The yeah, I mean, who name, are, name anybody are. after season one. It's name like, anyone. Well, you can name Clay I mean, and You yeah. might even be able to, if you dig into your brain meat a little bit, name like uh, Ruben Studdard. Oh, or, yeah, Ruben uh, Studdard, yeah. Who was the guy who was young but had gray hair? That was his only uh, defining yeah, trait. I don't remember him at all for any uh, for any other reason. Yeah, point is, pretty forgettable. Most most people. Yeah. In, in you don't hear too, like, but even so, like, even though you know who Clay Aiken is, like, you know the name. Yeah. Has he done a single thing that you can remember or make note of since, uh, like, back when he first finished the season? I don't like. I I can't think of like his. the The problem is none of their names come up anymore outside of. Oh, remember that person that was on that thing that one time? Yeah, it's just I I don't. Like Kelly Clarkson is the only one that really made it. Right. But even then, it's it's sort of a it's, it's starting to fade. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like, for a lot of reasons, people maybe that's why with, Canada only had one season. <laughs> yeah, they learned well, I mean, their this lesson. Is, Canada's got talent, but not Can- Canadian Idol or something. But you, same, need, to, same you thing. need to show up with more than just singing to begin with, right? And then after that, we're going to stop it anyway. So yeah. it's like you know, we'll just stop it at one season because after that, nobody's going to get recognition. Okay, so one section here in the article is just entirely about something called Treaty. <laughs> and we get to start with a great word, presumably a word. It may be any number of things, but it's taken the form of a word, so here we go. <laughs> uh, 
Kakake Panesi. Or Gekiki Benesi. Or quote unquote Hawkbird, aka William Mann the <laughs> First. Signed the aptly named Treaty One. Oh. On behalf of the Saking people in 1871. Although Sag King is a Treaty One nation, it is a member of the Grand Council of Treaty Three, mm. which means it belongs to two Treaty territories. Grand Council of Treaty Three, or GCT Three, is a political organization representing 24 First Nation communities across Treaty 3 areas of Northern Ontario and Southeastern Manitoba, Canada, and additional four First Nations in specific regards to their treaty rights. Community elders speak about quote-unquote five original families at the signing of the treaty. Other families were mixed-blood Metis, French, and Anishabi, who became part of the treaty three years after the original signing. For several decades, the competing Catholic and Anglican churches caused division between the mixed families and the original treaty families, uh, the mixed families being Catholic and the original treaty families being Anglican. The residential school system left a lasting, to this day, legacy of pain and suffering among the Anishabe people, Today, the churches have less influence in the community. The former rivalries between the full-blooded and mixed-blooded families have mostly been forgotten. The community has embraced their Anishabi heritage and are continuing to heal from the legacy of the residential school system, of which the legacy has negatively affected the community for decades after the fact, which is something they already said three times. <laughs> Citations needed every single time. The Canadian government owned up to the wrongdoings of the residential school systems, um, which amounted to cultural genocide and paid bunnies to the Anishabe peoples who were forced to attend these so-called schools. So-called schools. So they made schools that were slave camps, basically. Is I think yeah, what I'm picking so. up on here. That's pretty bad. Um, the Child and Family Services has the same effect today as the residential schools of the past, as they work to break up families rather than work to keep them together. CFS gives more money to foster parents than is given to the actual parents of the kids taken away, but now Sag King's own people are working for CFS and doing the harm the schools once did, thus perpetuating the cycle that began with the residential school system? I mean, I know there's a citation needed at the end of literally every sentence, so this has to be a pretty debated topic, but it sounds like somebody here is trying to use Wikipedia as a platform to be like, hey. It does sound very opinion-y. Well, it does. And like, yeah. But also kind of like somebody's trying to use it as a soapbox deliberately because like something awry is still happening. Yeah. There is something this fishy in the state of Canada. It sound like a description of events. It sounds like, hey, just, man. It sounds like a distress signal. Yeah. You know, interspersed with, hey, ground what you're saying. <laughs> so, uh, I think we need to go a little further into this issue. Yeah, I would see. I don't really understand most of what they were getting at there because to me, a school system doesn't sound like. I'm not sure about what the full blooded, mixed blooded thing is. That sounds mm. a little weird. Um, the residential school system thing, I'm guessing there are schools that they made First Nation people go to and live at when they were their kids to try to indoctrinate them in European cultures, and then they ended up indoctrinating them in slavery or something, but I, I mean, yeah. I, I, none of that is written point blank right here. Should we just go to Mixed Blood Metis? What about Treaty 1? That's also a good route to take. Because I feel like that was probably what started all this nonsense, hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, it is all in the same under the same banner of treaty, so... Something uh, happened that kicked all this stuff off. Or, you know, maybe it was a resolution to some of it. Right, so treaty 1. It's a bad name for a treaty. 
like, I guess it's a tree that you'd use whenever you run out of, like, locations? Like, what happened to, like, the tree of, like, Versailles, man? Yeah, you gotta give locations. Yeah, stuff. I mean, Canada's not, like, not a place. <laughs> Maybe it was signed in a place that, like, wasn't a known town or something. I don't know. Mm. But Treaty 1 seems to be... Ooh, it's, even, it's even shorter than the paragraph <laughs> that they gave us before. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's not a good sign. No. Maybe we'll have to follow them. There's there's mm. multiple treaties. So we'll have to see. Okay, so Treaty 1 is a controversial agreement established August 3rd, 1871 between Queen Victoria herself and various First Nation band governments in southeastern Manitoba, including the Chippewa uh, and Swampy Cree nations. Nice, that's a good one. The Swampy Cree. This would be the first treaty signed since the 1867 formation of the modern Canadian government, and one year after the province of Manitoba was formed as a part of the Canadian Confederation. Alexander Morris was an important negotiator of these treaties, but the uh, Ojibwe, or as we just called them before, the Chippewa, uh, and others may have set the agenda and wanted goods treaties before many settlers would be allowed to enter the area. So basically, I guess Manitoba wasn't part of Canada formally until after Canada got its freedom. And then they were yeah. trying to set up something amicable with the people who were already there and had been there, who also happened to be Native Americans. Right. Um, before really having everything as far as the governance of Canada come into full effect. It seems like that's like what is happening. Uh, it was also known as the Stone Fort Treaty. Well, that's a way better name. Yeah. Why not? Whatever. Yeah, that's... Uh... The, the problem with just Treaty 1 is that it doesn't have any kind of lasting impression. You know, like... It, maybe it that was their intention? They were kind of hoping that people would, like, mm. forget about it so they could be like, okay, so let's just let's just take this whole Manitoba thing now. Like, let's not... <laughs> let's not even play about it. Because, like, uh, you know, here Stone Fort Treaty and that it brings, like, you know, I don't know, it sounds familiar. Like, you say it later it's like oh yeah the stone fort treaty like that's something that, that sounds like you it's just ironclad it's treaty one it's just like which one was that again <laughs> the first one you know you remember the, the first one before the other two? Oh yeah the first the one <laughs> the one the one treaty treaty one one treaty <laughs> for one nations <laughs> so um treaty one and eventually also treaty two were amended by a Canadian government order in council in 1875 to add provisions which were originally promised verbally by the government, and then they never wrote them down (laughs) until, uh, what's that? Eight years later. Ah, eight years. Eight years it took them. Similar outside promises were included in the text of 1873's Treaty 3, adding further pressure on the government to include such provisions in the earlier treaties. So, that sounds really... Ah, here's a good article. The Canadian Crown and Aboriginal Peoples. Ah. That may take us where we want to go without us having to kind of go around the point or go to the agreements about the thing that is that sounds like a pretty broad yeah here's a meaty article yeah 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 that sounds good that sounds good yeah i think we're gonna have to go that route it's either that or swampy cree (laughs) swampy cree is tempting i mean it's a fun name it's a fun name let's see i'm gonna bounce over there just see how long the article is. Alright, it's not very long, so... Probably not a good route to go. Yeah, but it's mostly it's mostly different ways to say... The name? <laughs> how Swampy Cree... How, who, who you're talking about. Yep. So, alright. So Swampy Cree, cool name, not a great article. The Canadian Early. Crown and Indigenous Peoples of Canada, on the other hand... Under the See Also section at the bottom of the page is a media article. Yes, yes it is. 
talks about First Nations, the Inuit, and the Metis. Hmm. All right, let's see what we got here. So stretches the association between the Canadian crown and indigenous peoples of Canada stretches back to the first decisions between North American indigenous peoples and European colonists and over centuries of interface treaties were established concerning the monarch and indigenous tribes. So um, first decisions it's a strange like link <laughs> yeah um, where does that go to timeline of colonization of North America okay hmm. <laughs> I guess uh it sounds like it's a formal like name for something but it, it might just mean like the first decisions that they made together as people first decisions I, I made know. to edit that link to make it take <laughs> you to the Wu-Tang Clan <laughs> <laughs> first decisions. I'm just gonna. <laughs> it's just gonna be Wu Tang Clan now. That's where it's gonna go. That's where it's gonna go. <laughs> and we'll see. I'm not even gonna change the text. I'm not gonna change the text. First decisions. Oh, the first decisions. Wu Tang Clan. I challenge them to change it back. I mean, I don't yeah. know what exactly. Who's to say that the first decisions between North American indigenous peoples shouldn't link to Wu-Tang Clan? I, I don't know why it would lead to a timeline of colonization of North America, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Alrighty, and save changes. Alright, we refresh. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to let you make the Wu-Tang edits for a while just to get Just to let get things cool down. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we don't get too many likes in the meantime. But, yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to play it cool for a little while. Play it safe. Yeah, yeah keep keep to the low-key articles that don't get a lot of foot traffic. Yeah, I'm sure the Canadian Crown and Indigenous Peoples of, peoples of Canada definitely doesn't get that much foot traffic. <laughs> but, I mean, at the same time... It probably does get some pretty avid foot traffic from the few people it does, you know, get foot traffic from. Right. Now, this article seems already to be, like, a lot more favorable of Europeans. I I'd say, yeah, like, the bias it has... Hint. It's got citations, but the bias is definitely going the other way here. Like, yeah, look... it's like, hey, they were doing their best to make peace with the people there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of fishy to me, though, you know? Yeah. Uh, relations. The association between Canada's indigenous peoples and the Canadian crown is both statutory and traditional. The treaties <laughs> being seen... Traditional? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How could it possibly... Be traditional. It's a very you traditional were invaders. association. <laughs> well, the treaties being seen by the first peoples both as legal contracts and as perpetual and personal promises by successive reigning kings and queens to protect Aboriginal welfare, define their rights and reconcile their sovereignty with that of the monarch in Canada. The agreements are formed with the crown because the monarchy is thought to have inherent stability and continuity as opposed to the transitory nature of populist whims that rule the political government, meaning the link between monarch and aboriginals will theoretically last for, quote, as long as the sun shines, grass grows, and rivers flow, end quote. <laughs> the relationship has been described as mutual. I don't know about that. <laughs> not, not according to the other article where... Uh... Yeah. There's a lot of uh, hard times in the school just, system. Just because they didn't uh, uh, have good citations doesn't mean they weren't angry <laughs> for some reason. You don't get on Wikipedia and make something that biased and angry if you don't feel that way for, like, a reason. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying that, that, like, Wikipedia should degrade itself to the point of, like, accepting people's mood swings as a uh, form of citation. But at the same time, <laughs> like, when you're talking about things that don't necessarily involve you, but you're yeah. clearly witnessing, that's, like, mm. <laughs> Well, the um, relationship up there notwithstanding, I'm going to dig down into the history here and see if there isn't some, like some impartiality to be found here or if it's just going to be a bunch of uh, bunch of European names 
because I'm mostly seeing European names. Well, here's something interesting. Uh, during the course of the American Revolution, First Nations assisted King George III's North American forces. What? They yeah. tried to fight us? Yeah, I guess so. This doesn't seem like there's... Where's the section about controversy? The word controversy <laughs> is not in this article. <laughs> that seems like an oversight. What about the word residential? What about the word school? There is one mention of the word school. It is in the sentence, a member of Mimjinkinang First Nation Bartleman listed the encouragement of indigenous young people as one of the key priorities and during his time in the Queen's service launched several initiatives to promote literacy and social bridge building, traveling key priorities, or er, traveling to remote native communities in northern Ontario, pairing native and non-native schools, and creating the Lieutenant Governor's Book Program, which collected 1.4 million books that were flown into the province's north to stock shelves on First Nation community libraries. So, suffice it to say, whoever wrote this article thinks uh, nothing's ever been bad. <laughs> Oh, wait, whoa, here we, here's something. I just uh, found something about Metis peoples. Um, oh, okay, maybe that's the issue. The treaties did not ensure peace as evidenced by the Northwest Rebellion of 1885, sparked by Metis peoples concerned over their survival and discontent on the part of Cree people over perceived unfairness in the treaties signed with Queen Victoria. Uh-huh. So we got Northwest Rebellion. That sounds like somewhere in the vicinity of what we're looking for. And that seems to take us back towards the Cree. Yeah, we got those Cree popping up again. But it seems like something we could happened. Also, go to Metis peoples. Yeah, you they know what? Seem to be You're, the you were right part the first of time. this conflict. They were definitely definitely part of the conflict and i'm pretty sure from there we'll be able to get back to the rebellion they were a part of right yeah they're not going to have that whole article without the mention of that rebellion that they sparked okay yeah let's let's go back over there all right meta's people their flag is an infinity it's ah. kind of cool yeah two infinities and two and <laughs> yes <laughs> we did it they did it so they are 451,795 people in all as of 2011, 1.4% of the total Canadian population. They are both in the United States and Canada, not just in Canada, they're uh, both there and here. I guess that makes sense because there was one like landmass. Yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there weren't borders there when they were right. living here originally. Exactly. Uh, and the weird thing is, is they have their own dialect of French they speak. They also speak English. Uh, the several uh, several uh, uh, Native American dialects Michif, Bungie, Chipuan, and also Scottish Gaelic and a Canadian Gaelic form of that, which I don't um, I don't get that, but don't know where that one came from. Other than, you know, Scotland, but right. still. They are recognized as one of Canadians, uh, one of Canada's Aboriginal peoples under the Constitution Act of 1982, along with First Nations and Inuit peoples. Initially developed as a mixed race, dis, uh, mixed race of descendants of early unions between First Nations people and colonial era European settlers, uh. usually indigenous women and men. Oh, indigenous women and settler men within generations, particularly in central and western Canada, but also in the eastern parts of Canada, a distinct Metis culture of developed. Uh, hmm. The early mothers were usually Mi'kmaq, Algonquin, Salto, Cree, Ojibwe, or Chapuan, Menominee, or Maliseet, or of mixed descent from those peoples. Their unions with the European men were often of the type known as 
Marriage à la façon du pay. I don't like that they turned it into French. That makes me feel like there's something going on there. Yeah. Some trickery going on. Let me, let me just bounce over there. Marriage according to the custom of the country. So, and a lot of people were doing this because they were living in the wilderness because they were fur traders for, for European people. So that's kind of interesting. Wasn't like a whole like conquering hero type thing coming in there and being like, guess what? Wife, wife. No, they were fur traders living in the woods because that's where there's animals that have fur. <laughs> that's how they got the fur. That's where the indigenous people were. So... The French, the French were just being weird. Yeah. La façon du pay. Especially <laughs> <laughs> just marriage. Right. Just marriage by their custom. <laughs> After New France was ceded to Great Britain's control, there was an important distinction between French Medis, born of Francophone voyageur fathers, and the Anglo Medis, known as countryborn, descended from the English or Scottish fathers. Today, these two cultures have essentially coalesced into one Metis tradition, which does not preclude a range of other Metis cultural expressions across Canada. Such mixed-race people were historically referred to by other terms, many of which are now considered to be offensive, such as, well, I don't really need to <laughs> do that, so right. I'm not going to. However, the contemporary Medis are a specific indigenous people and culture. The term does not apply to every person of mixed heritage or ancestry. Interesting. Cool. Apparently, uh, geneticists estimate that 50% of today's population is in Western Canada have some ar- aboriginal blood. So. so it's definitely not everybody because this is not 50% of right. the population. This is 1% of the population. Yeah. But they also make up 30% of the aboriginal population, these Metis people. Um, So that's a decent chunk there. Yeah, Um, that's uh, kind of staggering, comparatively. Makes you wonder what the First Nations are. Are there First Nations? Are those real things, or are those those lies? No, there are... First, actually, yeah. But, like, are there fewer people in them? Is what I'm wondering now, because it feels uh, like if these people are 30 percent of the Aboriginal, uh, uh, but they are people. the result of First Nations. But what? Or they were the result of like First Nations intermingling with with the Europeans. Europeans. But then they got signed into the Treaty of the First Nations. Which is what kind of sparked the outcry of other people. Like, hey, wait a minute. They're not First Nation. They're post First Nation. Right, right. So they were trying to really get, like, I mean, I guess Canada's not. I don't know. This feels like a really weird thing because it was like Canada's trying to backpedal and be like, hey, we weren't super racist at one point, <laughs> too. We didn't do this. But look, it only took us till 1982 to stop Jim Crow laws. <laughs> okay, let's see uh, if school pops up in this article. Schooly! <laughs> Jacob A. Schooly. School, 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 school. Nope. Uh... Not in the context that we're looking for, I don't think. The only place the word residential comes up is nowhere. (laughs) If you're looking for the word resident, I hope you like having a P in front of it, because that's the only place you'll even get close. (laughs) P-resident. Well, we didn't even really get a time frame in the... uh Psyching First Nation article about like that whole school thing, right? Like we don't know if that was like recent, eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, right? Two thousands, like we don't know what we're stabbing at here. So, but I mean, it has to be around the time that standardized schooling became. Yeah, I would imagine it's sometime in the. 1900s. Yeah, because that's before that compulsory schooling was a thing nations did. It was like you were rich or you didn't do it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, maybe we won't get into that on here. Let's see what it says about the 19th century. Or no, not... I'm looking for the 20th century. Because that's the, the 19s. 1900s. Right. <laughs> it gets confusing. You should have just started with zeroth century. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't we do that? That was smart. Zero century would have been good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so during the 1930s, political activism arose in Metis communities in Alberta and Saskatchewan over land rights, and some filed land claims for the return of certain lands. Five men, sometimes dubbed the Famous Five, were instrumental in having the Alberta government form the 1934 Ewing Commission, headed by Albert Ewing, to deal with land claims. The Alberta government passed the Matus Population Betterment Act in 1938. The act provided funding to and land to the Metis. The provincial government later rescinded portions of the land in certain areas. Some disclaimers do do apply. There, so maybe we want to go to the famous five. Yeah, because they did also mention the five original families at the signing of the treaty, and like that was in that whole schooling article. Then there was the division and stuff. Unless, uh, let's see if if we go outside of Google or outside of Wikipedia just for a second. I want to see if I can find sources for this uh, stuff here. I don't know exactly what to search for, but yeah, man, it's disappointing because I, I was really hoping that you know something here would give us some insight about what that one guy was so worked up about. <laughs> yeah. Why? Maybe this is why Mr. Citation needed is in need of so many citations. <laughs> maybe he's just imagining all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've heard about this before, and it just goes away. Canada's. Canada. Uh, well, the 19th century is actually pretty controversial too. Look at all these rebellions they're talking about. Oh, yeah. So in 1812, many immigrants, mainly the Scottish farmers, moved to the Red River Valley, which was in present-day Manitoba. Okay, so we're back to Manitoba now. That's partially where we want to be. The Hudson's Bay Company, which nominally owned the territory then, called Rupert's Land, assigned plots of land to the settlers upon them relocating. The allocation of Red River land caused conflict with those already living in the area, as well as with the Northwest Company, whose trade routes had been cut in half. Many Metis were all were working as fur traders with both the Northwest Company and the Hudson's Bay Company. Others were working as free traders or buffalo hunters supplying pemmican to the fur trade. The buffalo were declining in number, and the Metis and First Nations had to go farther and farther west to hunt them. Profits from the fur trade were declining because of a reduction in European demand due to changing tastes, as well as the need for the Hudson's Bay Company to extend its reach further from its main ports to get furs. Most references to the Metis in the 19th century applied to the Plains Metis, particularly the Red River Metis. But the Plains Metis tended to identify the occupational categories, buffalo hunters and pemmican and fur traders, and tripmen in the York Boat Fur Brigades among the men, and moccasin sewers and cooks among the women. The largest community of Assiniboine Red River District had a different lifestyle and culture from those located in Saskatchewan, Athabasca, and Peace River Valleys to the west. The government of Canada exerted its power over the people living in Rupert's Land after it acquired the land in the mid-19th century from the Hudson's Bay Company. The Metis and the Anglo-Metis, commonly known as country-born children of First Nations women and Orcadian, Scottish, or English men, uh... 
joined forces to stand up for their rights. They wanted to protect their traditional way of life against an aggressive and distant Anglo-Canadian government and its local colonizing agents. During this time, the Canadian government signed treaties known as the Numbered Treaties, uh, Treaty 1, 2, 3, there we go, with various First Nations. These nations ceded property rights to almost the entire Western Plains to the government of Canada. In return for their seeding their traditional lands, the Canadian government promised food, education, medical help, and other kinds of support. While the menace generally did not sign any treaty as a group, they were sometimes included, even listed as quote-unquote half-breeds in some records. Louis Reel, well-educated in eastern schools, was the son of one leader and became a leader himself of the Metis in the Red River area. He denounced the government in a speech delivered in late August 1869 from the steps of St. Boniface Cathedral. The Metis became more fearful when the Canadian government appointed the notoriously anti-French William McDougall as the lieutenant governor of the Northwest Territories in September of 1869 in anticipation of a formal transfer of lands to take effect in December. The Red River Rebellion of 1869 broke down. Real executed a dissident pro- Protestant, an act that haunted the rest of his career. The government comprised... Uh, are compromised, resulting in the Manitoba Act and that province's entry into the Canadian Confederation. Due to the execution, Real was charged and fled to the United States in exile. In 1885, the Medis heard that a contingent of 500 Northwest Mounted Police was heading west. They organized using their traditional organizations and formed the provisional government of Saskatchewan, with Pierre Parenteau as president and Gabriel Dumont as adjutant general. Real took charge of a few hundred armed men. They suffered defeat by Canadian armed forces in a conflict known as the Northwest Rebellion, which occurred in northern Saskatchewan from March 26th to May 12th, 1885. Gabriel Dumont fled to the United States while Real, Poundmaker, and Big Bear surrendered. Big Bear and Poundmaker. Each were convicted and received a three-year sentence. On July 6, 1885, Real was convicted of high treason and was sentenced to hang. Real appealed, but he was executed on November 16th, 1885, anyway. Okay, so I did find something about this schooling stuff. Okay. What is it in relation to, though? Is it anything we were looking at before? Or? It is. It, it's like it goes over kind of some of the same, same ground things. as the fir- that first article. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, actually a New York Times article. Um, and it's basically what's going on or what happened was that the Can- uh, Canadian school system essentially forced the aboriginals to attend the school and like remove them from their families and put them in school hmm. and uh, then they uh, actually kind of were abused in the school and it, apparently, 3,201 students died while attending Whoa. the schools Whoa. because of mistreatment or neglect. And, uh, yeah. So, basically, yeah, there was a lot of mistreatment and there they were forced to go to the schools rather than just, like, you know, not going yeah. or choosing just one or choosing the other. Choosing to know. go or being homeschooled yeah. or whatever. So, they were almost like forcing assimilation and kind of thing. So yeah, that's pretty bad. Yup. Um, that would be that would not be a good thing. Yeah. So and if they're still doing that in some way shape or form It sounds like they are at the point where they're trying to reach reconciliation agreements but they kind of don't necessarily have similar goals in mind or 
something. So. Well, I would say that's been kind of the problem from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. The... Sooner or later, you're gonna have to accept that not everybody's going to have the same goal. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. So Aboriginal people want you know actions to be taken, and Canadian government isn't necessarily you know have the same thought process on how to deal with the reconciliation so yeah so that's the story of the school system debacle citation needed so we finally have our citation there we go I'm not gonna put it in I guess I don't know should I where would I even put it any one of the (laughs) eight places that you could and then take one of the other ones because somebody's just being a prick with a citation. <laughs> yeah, need. yeah. I mean, like it's all on the same topic. Leave it at, like the end of the paragraph. You really, know? what we need to do is go in there and edit the things that are redundant, get them out of there. Mm. The fact that things are being torn, that families are being torn apart. Let's just have that said like one time. Yeah. Families were being torn apart. Keep one in past tense. Few families are being torn apart. Keep one in present tense. That mm. covers all the bases. That's all you need to say to really, like, drive your point home. Yeah. And maybe that's why everybody is being all citation needed on you. <laughs> but you know what those citation needs are great for? Wu-Tang Clan. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Where is that first? Okay, I'm going to put in reference... Um, Wow, July 2017 is when the citation needed was put in. That's uh, something interesting. All right, let's, let's see. preview this. That's not at all what I wanted. How do I cite things here? Um, ah, ref. That's Changes. Now let's changes. <laughs> All right, we got one citation in there. So, and where'd you put the citation? Do you know? I put it right after uh, residential school system left a lasting to this day legacy of pain and suffering among the Anishinaabe people. Gotcha. Um, yeah, but it's telling me I have a conflict. I don't know. You might have. I'm not sure how you did that because. Relative to where I'm sitting, that was in the future. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs> Refresh the page. <laughs> Refresh. Wu Tang Clan is now a banner. What? Oh, at least on mine, it's now. There's a big banner. It says Wu Tang Clan. Maybe that's part of what I did. I don't know. <laughs> you were trying to be helpful, though. You actually like, linked. <laughs> I don't understand what I did. I thought I was. I thought I was editing. I could have sworn I was editing. A. Uh... Okay. Uh, let me just jump in and quick do my uh, reference citation here. Then I'll come back it to wasn't you and then <laughs> you can jump in <laughs> and, come back and then do your you. thing. Okay. <laughs> it's his <just> big <laughs> <laughs> I thought the I thought the little uh uh you know pointy brackets were supposed to give me uh a uh little exponent, not a Oh it's sup. Oh it's sup. You, it, yeah, you close it in sup. And then the and then you just do regular brackets. Where where do I put this up? Is it some right tags? around around uh, the Wu Tang Clan? Yeah, that's so what I put meant to do. Sup bracket Wu Tang Clan bracket slash sup. <laughs> oh man! Show oh my god! <laughs> what? <laughs> so because it's one of those big banner things. 
like we usually see at the bottom, if you click show, it brings up the members of the Wu-Tang Clan, all their albums. (laughs) 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 It brings up all the information about Wu-Tang Clan. (laughs) I might just leave it. I didn't... I don't know how I did this, but... (laughs) (laughs) The child and family services have the same effect today as the residential schools of the past. Citation needed. As they work to break up families, rather than work with them to keep them together. Wu-Tang Clan. Ghostface Killer, Giza, Inspector Deck, Master Killer, Method Man, Riza, Raekwon, You God, Capadonna, Old Dirty Bastard, Wu Tang Clan albums, Wu Tang Killer, Bees albums, compilation albums, singles, related. CFS gives more money to foster parents <laughs> than is to given to the actual parents of the kids taken away. Alright, now this is one that I want to watch and make sure, uh, see, see how, uh, this goes down <laughs> my favorite thing is, is that right now at least I can attest to the fact that uh, in the, in the <laughs> there's just like a bracket saying sup sup <laughs> on either side <laughs> it's not it's not supped but I mean just the fact that somebody's gonna go in there and have to see <laughs> sup sup <laughs> Around the Lutang clan banner. Uh, well, maybe that'll make everybody a little less angry. Or maybe it'll make them more mad. Maybe we just accidentally started the <laughs> Canadian Civil War. I don't know. Did we? But, uh... Yeah. Alright. I don't know how to undo what I did, because <laughs> I don't know what how I did it in the first place. So, that's where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, there you have it. From Sag King First Nation to Metis in Canada. And you can met us right here on the Wikipedia Chronicles every episode. And you sure can. Affairs and northern development is what we do. <laughs> northern development all over the Wikipedia Chronicles. <laughs> um, yep, so we have a Patreon page if you want to throw money at us. But we know you won't. And <laughs> we'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song. And Billy Jones and Ernest Hare for our outro song. Thanks again for joining us. I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. You know, the most annoying thing... Oh, oh. The guy that uh, um, changed all my edits, all my Wu-Tangs. Yeah. He left me a message on my talk page. What's he saying? He says, um, Hello, Erstor. Please stop adding wiki links for this article and unrelated articles. If you want to test something, please use your user sandbox. Thank you, German Joe. Oh, man. Did he really think that I was just, like, like, testing out... I guess he didn't want to. I guess he didn't want to rule it out. He still has faith in humanity. Maybe, yeah, maybe he was just trying to be diplomatic. Yeah. I don't know, man. The fact that the German guy took it was the first guy to take <laughs> issue with it. That doesn't bode well. Oh man. Well, yeah, we shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have tried with leather. That was too risky, too high profile. Yeah. It's like yeah. trying to rob the Guggenheim. Yep. <laughs> you can't go to something as accessible as leather and expect expect it to not be noticed well hey let's just hope that Canadian civil rights don't really uh, get too much play <laughs> yeah. well as recently as July 2017 so never know but I have it on my watch list so we'll see uh, I'll probably get notifications about it whatever happens I want to check out this DJ Kane, see what his deal is. Because that guy was cool. Yeah. All he, he did was he, liked- he saw it and he just liked it and was just like, okay. He's like, oh, that's so great. Thank you. Oh, there it is. J- DJ Kane. His name is Mark. Lives in St. Anthony, Idaho.
Okay. He's, he, he says, I try to expand Wikipedia's knowledge of things around the Pacific Northwest that interest me. I guess the Wu-Tang Clan technically qualifies. And he says uh, he has been the recipient of the one of one award on Wikipedia so far. I don't know there were awards. He's an award-winning Wikipedia guy, and he liked the fact that we dropped <laughs> the Wu-Tang Clan into random articles. <laughs> I like this guy. Like, he seems like he's, you know, he's legit, but he also has a sense of humor. Yep. And maybe even a good taste in music. Who knows? <laughs> Don't want to give him too much credit without knowing too much about the guy, but so far I'm I'm enjoying it. <laughs> really like what I'm really liking what he's putting down. Yep. Not so much German Joe though. Yeah, German Joe. Mm. Mm. Don't like that guy. It's a little a little too much of a law law abiding guy for, <laughs> for my tastes. Yeah, too know. much of a stickler there. Yeah. 